on ABC Local Radio. You're with Grandstand. Grandstand. The pop. It's a beautiful shot. Fastest horse you ever saw. You're with Grandstand. Your home of live sport all year round. Great there. Clipped it over his head. Oates. Oates scores in the corner. Grandstand. 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 As the siren blares out, Paul Ford, a 54-point winner. On ABC Local Radio. ABC Local Radio. He's got support on the inside. He's pierced. He gets it off the pierce. And Pierce will score under the back line. Streaming at abc.net.au slash grandstand. Grandstand. And now live. Grandstand Digital. This is Grandstand around Australia. around Australia. We were left with very little option. We worked tirelessly with Blake. We knew he had some off-field issues and we had worked very hard with, with him. Uh, we had a, a plan in place. In the end, it just became untenable and uh, we had to take that decision. You're with Grandstand. Hello and welcome to Cracking the Codes. Debbie Spillane with you until one o'clock. And we'll get to all four major codes. And there's some pretty major action in each of them this weekend. It's into the final round of the NRL. We have decided who the minor premiers are. That is the Roosters. But the top eight makeup isn't entirely decided yet. That'll be played out over the course of the weekend. We'll chat rugby league with Matt Head. Kelly Underwood is on the boundary this afternoon for Grandstand in Geelong for the second qualifying final in the AFL. She'll talk about last night's big performance by the Hawks, beating the Sydney Swans quite comfortably in the first of the qualifying finals. And there's two knockout finals on this weekend as well in the AFL, one later this afternoon and one tomorrow. There's a Wallabies test match on tonight in Brisbane. The Wallabies are playing the Springboks. John Rowe, who'll be our analyst for that match tonight on the Grandstand Call, will preview the match with us. And Fox Sports analyst Andy Harper will preview tomorrow morning's Socceroos Friendly. Yes, it's only a friendly, which some may argue is not a big thing, but we're playing Brazil. Not only are they the World Cup hosts, but one of the... One of the big homes of football in the world. So we'll hear how the Socceroos might approach that match tomorrow morning from Andy Harper. Now, as you also may have noticed, there's something else going on this weekend. Yep. The election, I know. You've probably come to the sports show to try and forget about it, in which case I'm really sorry. But I just thought today, you know, to be a topical issue for our question of the hour on Cracking the Codes... I'd put it out there. Which footballer do you think would be suited to politics and why? Now, you can take this question seriously or you can take take it tongue-in-cheek tongue if that's how you prefer to deal with it. Quite happy to get your answers. 0467 920 0467 920 That's for those of you who like to text. If you like to Facebook, there's a spot set up on the ABC Grandstand Facebook page where you can leave your comments or you can tweet us at ABC Grandstand or you can tweet me direct at Deb Spillane. There's a couple of names that I came up with when I started to think about which footballers would I like to see in politics. Cam Smith, the captain of Melbourne, and he handles the referees so well. He's already got that, that political thing going on where he just really seems to know the right thing to say to get the right results from people. 
and he's been a pretty successful leader in terms of the, the Melbourne Storm over the years. Presents well, all that sort of thing. I also think Th- Sam Thiday from the Broncos, I've seen him speak on television a few times, seems quite impressive. Oh, I've been racking my brains trying to think of someone from the Socceroos, not not really sure. Maybe uh, an A-League player. I'll, I'll, I'll keep thinking on that one. Haven't come up with an ideal one as yet. Although I reckon Mark Schwarzer, I mean, he's going to be 41 shortly. He's going to need to do something else eventually. I mean, I, he can't keep keep on keeping goal forever. I think Mark Schwarzer, be, you know, he's a safe pair of hands. Why not put the country in a safe pair of hands? Okay, there's there's my uh, soccer nomination. Um, AFL, not so sure. Joe Watson, <laughs> he's already really disliked. He might as well go into politics. And definitely, I think, in, in rugby union, David Pocock. I just like that man's politics. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. He's been a little bit quiet of late, but he's got some some nice ideas, nice progressive kind of guy, David Pocock. Anyway, there's some random suggestions from me about uh, footballers that I'd like to see go into politics. Tell us who you think should do it and why. 0467920222. You can leave a message on the ABC Grandstand Facebook page or tweet us at ABC Grandstand. First cab off the rank today, as usual, will be Rugby League. We'll talk to Matt Head next. Tonight, the question of who will lead the nation will finally be answered. For our country, join us. This is the fight of our lives. Stay with the ABC election team for experience and in-depth analysis. ABC Local Radio and News Radio follow developments with updates online and on mobile. Follow every twist and turn live from the ABC Election Centre. Tonight, know the story with the ABC. Grandstand. ABC, ABC Grandstand. This is Cracking the Codes with Debbie Spillane. On ABC Local Radio. Online and on digital radio. And just hearing that promo about our election coverage tonight, I should point out to you that that is going to mean some changes to what we normally have in terms of sport for you on Grandstand. Local radio will be going at 6 o'clock to full coverage of the election. So if you're wanting to listen to Rugby League or AFL or the Rugby Union Test, you're going to have to either go to digital radio or the internet. There's some various options, different options on some of the games. I'll try to mention them as the as we work through the program and talk about the different codes. But essentially, don't expect your normal local radio coverage tonight of whatever football you usually get because it'll be... Political football instead. We'll be hearing all about that. We'll be going around the grounds regularly, I imagine, uh, in terms of the election results. But let's talk about NRL firstly and last night's match, which decided who would take the Gilton and Shield for 2013. It ended up going to the Sydney Roosters, 24 points to 12. Our analyst at the match was Matt Head, who joins me now. Hi, Matt. Welcome. Hey, Jimmy. How are you enjoying Election Day so far? Oh, yeah, I haven't gone to vote yet. I thought I'd go vote and then go go to the Dragons-Warriors game. So Yes, of course, we've got that coming up at 3 o'clock this afternoon on local radio. You will get, as normal, a, a full broadcast of that match. So tell me about last night. I, I was listening to part of the call and then I got home and, and, and watched uh, part of it on television and, and saw the highlights. It just looked to me like um, Souths were a team trying way too hard last night. 
Yeah, I was only talking to David off air at half time about um, I wasn't sure if I, I turned up to the game expecting um, a better game of football or if it just didn't uh, live up to any expectations. But um, South Sydney last night certainly looked like a team that were trying, but um, I, I just thought the Roosters put them under pressure and some of their, their, their big-time players for South um, couldn't handle the pressure last night. I thought Reynolds was a little bit off. Uh, his kicking game, he reverted to the kick a, a little bit too much and um, I just thought the Roosters in the second half blew South uh, off the park and, and deserved to win the game in the end. I tell you what, the experience that Mitchell Pearce and James Maloney got steering New South Wales around the paddock, they got a lot of, well, particularly Mitchell Pearce got a lot of criticism for the, the state of origin performance, but gee, it's going to put him in good stead for the big match pressure in finals, isn't it? And I think yeah, that too. showed last night. Yeah, it certainly is, and I think um, if if the shoe was on the other foot, like we'd, if Mitchell Pearce played like uh, Adam Reynolds last night, it'd be all over the paper how bad Mitchell Pearce is and and stuff like that. So sometimes I think uh, Pearce is under gets criticised a little bit too much. But as you as you mentioned, uh, the the origin of Maloney and Pearce it's certainly going to put him into a good stead coming into the finals. And uh, I thought they controlled the game really well last night. And and with with Jake Friend, uh, the Roosters certainly have a seven six nine and and Minichel at the back and. Yeah, Sonny Bill was just best on park last night too, so they've certainly got some firepower. And all of those players that you mentioned have, have got quite a bit of uh, big match experience too, which is important come this time of year because Minicello been around and played at just about every level. Same with Sonny Bill, played in a lot of big matches, in uh, probably a lot more in rugby union, but nevertheless he's, he still knows how to deal with the pressure. And I was looking at guys like Sam Burgess who who just made the wrong call a couple of times last night, didn't he? Yeah, the, yeah, exactly right. The Roosters have a lot of uh, experience in their team, and where on the other the other side, South don't don't have it as much. Like Sam Burgess is probably one of their most experienced with playing with Great Britain or England and and teams like that. But yeah, last night he he threw a dummy when he should have just threw a pass, and they would have scored under the post. And then from then on, it was all Roosters. So um, the the experienced players of South Sydney just didn't um, leave from the front last night. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, Sam Burgess did a few little things that you you just don't expect. Big time players like that to do, and um, John Sutton was a little quiet. Uh, as I mentioned before, Reynolds was off, and uh, maybe they needed to lose last night. Maybe the game that uh, South Sydney needed to lose because obviously they don't get the minor premiership. It's been a long time since they've they've won a competition, so uh, maybe a little bit of pressure is off them now, and and they can just relax and play some good footy. Uh, hopefully for their sake, they've only got three games to go. Is there anything in particular that you would imagine Michael Maguire would be focusing on in terms of preparing the Rabbitohs for next week's match? By the way, we we have had the, the draw through for next weekend. Of course, n- not all the team slots are filled yet, but the Rabbitohs will be playing on Friday night out at the Olympic Stadium at Homebush, and it'll be either Manly or the Storm that they're up against. Is there, other than just that kind of composure that perhaps they lacked last night, were there any other areas you think Michael Maguire will focus on preparing for this? one? Well, I think the, the best thing to, to get your team uh, composed and get them into a, a, a solid game plan is, is how they start. And you always hear a lot of South uh, players talk about their starts aren't always the best. So, And last night was, was no different. They, they've got to get into their game plan a, a lot quicker. And uh, as soon as they do that, that will relax a lot of their players and, and players like Reynolds and Sutton can just fall back into their natural game plan. So um, I think Maguire, all, all he can sort of be talking about is um, getting into start their games well and getting into the game plan because obviously composure and experience and all that kind of stuff just comes with time. So um, they're not going to be able to turn that around in a week. But 
maybe just getting into their game plan as quick as they can might help some of them players. Well, might have a listen to what Michael Maguire, the coach of the Rabbitohs, who were beaten last night 24-12, had to say after the match. He's speaking to grandstand Shannon Byrne. Michael, uh, I guess, where were you beaten tonight, do you think? Uh, attack or defence? Oh, we didn't build pressure at all right throughout the game. I thought uh, you know, the first half we had moments and there were a couple of chances there that we missed and unfortunately we didn't grab those. And in the second half we just didn't complete sets and uh, when you're not completing, you know, and saying that, uh, you know, I think both teams were a little bit the same, but uh, you know, they capitalised more on what we did. So, uh, yeah, we'll get plenty out of that game and make sure we take uh, everything we've uh, sort of developed up till now uh, into the next uh, next week's game. Would, you, would it be fair to say nearly that first 40 minutes pretty sloppy from both teams and probably won't see you deep into final series? Yeah, no, I thought uh, from an attack point of view we were very disappointed. You know, we'll, we'll have a look at our attack and uh, yeah, we're a hell of a lot better team than what we showed there tonight. So you know, we just need to find that and um, you know, I'm sure the boys will. We've had, we had moments through the game. Uh, yeah, we missed a couple of opportunities, uh, you know, tries there and uh, so we, we had chances, but you know, you've got to take those in these games. Will you, will you be showing maybe some footage of Sonny Bill Williams uh, in a break offloading to one of his players, to Sam Burgess, when he had a, a, a great backup on his right and he uh, decided to try and take someone on? Yeah, look, yeah, they're all things that you, you take out of the game. And you know, unfortunately, we didn't uh, capitalise on the opportunities we had. And, yeah, that's the thing that let us down tonight. We just didn't uh, you know, probably play as smart as what we're capable of. So yeah, we'll get plenty out of that game and you know, we've got to learn some lessons because uh, it's, it's on now uh, with the games in front of us. And I guess we've touched on it before, but how important was it to even get close to that minor premiership? Where does it rate for your club? Oh, it's very high. You know, I think the, the fact that you, know, you go all year and you, know, you get very close, but uh, you know, it wasn't to be tonight. But uh, you know, what, we, what we've uh, trained for and played all year for is what we're about to do in this next month. So you know, hopefully we can uh, you know, get our performances right and uh, you know, get deep into this next month. And how's Adam Reynolds feeling in the sheds at the moment? Probably not one of his better nights he had with, with the kick. Yeah, I think it really assists the team. You know, you know, obviously his kicking comes off the back of the way we play and how we attack and uh, you know, build that pressure. So you know, right across the, the team, we'll, um, we'll, uh, we'll work hard and make sure that we can get those opportunities for Adam. Michael Maguire speaking to Shannon Byrne after last night's match. Um, any, anything there that, uh, that you'd like to expand on, Matt Head, before we uh, move on to talk more about the Roosters? Oh, no, I think he... You know, he, he's the coach of a of the team that's done a, a very good job, and um, they they were very close to being minor premiers. And as I said, maybe it just takes a lot of pressure off them now that they didn't get that. But um, yeah, he certainly was saying the right things. And you would imagine that South will come out a better team next week. And and if they can get one more win, they're they're just that little bit closer and and get the week off. So they're certainly a team that you know if, last night can certainly be a grand final. And uh, I think if it was, it would be a, certainly a good good game of football to watch. So you still think that there's every chance that it'll be South and the Roosters come the long weekend in October? Yeah, I do. I, as I said, I think the the loss to South was uh, a blessing for them. I, I think that's going to strive them, and I think the Roosters needed to win last night to, to build some confidence. But, um, yeah, there's nothing that I saw last night or nothing that I've seen for the past 26 weeks that can tell me that it shouldn't be a South and Roosters grand final, but sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Um, so we'll just wait and see. It's going to be an exciting month of football. Now, it was an extraordinary performance from Trent Robinson. I think I've just been trying to dig around and find the stat, but I think I heard on TV this morning that it's the first time in like 30 or 40 years that a coach in his rookie year in the NRL has uh, taken out the minor premiership. What do you think are his qualities as a coach, Matt? I'm sure you've watched him pretty closely as a guy who's come in and made a big impact first up. Yeah, he certainly has. I think the best thing for, 
for Trent Robinson. He, he's got a great staff around him. He's got Jason Taylor that's uh, been there and done that. And then he's got Greg Fitzgibbon, who's uh, one of the, the, the best blokes that you'll meet in rugby league. So he's got a great um, staff that's around him. But he just seems to be one of them coaches that can get all the players to play for him, uh, to play for each other, and just have that, that desire to defend for each other. And um, you always hear good things about coaches when they're going well. But, um, yeah, you just hear so many good reports from all the players about him and um, but, you know, the old secret to be a good coach, you've got to get good players, and he certainly got that at the club. Yes, he certainly has, and he's got to be a shoe-in for the Daly M Coach of the Year, one would think. Let's hear what he had to say last night, speaking to Shannon Byrne after the 24-12 win. Well, Trent, congratulations. Uh, we might start with the game before we move on to the minor premiership. Uh, how'd you rate that game? Yeah, pretty good. I thought, uh, I thought well, the first half, very strong in attack, very good in defence. Uh, except for some ill-discipline, so we gave away too many penalties, which gave him field position. And then uh, second half, I thought, yeah, with too many errors. We, uh, we, we turned over the ball, but our D was on, so uh, that, that held us together. And then a couple of, couple of really strong plays around the ruck there on a few sets, which, uh, which got us the lead. So um, overall, I thought the handling of the pressure was good. I didn't think it was the greatest game from us, but the handling of the moment, the pressure was uh, was outstanding. How important was it going to finals for a win, but also to keep someone like the South Sydney Rabbitohs scoreless in that second half? Yeah, well, it was it was important for us to play some good footy. We've been off for a little while now, and we needed to remember who we're about, and we did that tonight. We, we talked about it last week, we didn't get it done, and we talked about it again this week, and we got it done, so that's very pleasing. Do you feel like you were talking about those things a lot and probably the first half there were a few errors that you know you could have probably avoided? Uh, who stood up for you tonight? You know, uh, Who was the standout that I guess really turned the game on its head? Look, I thought there was, uh, there was lots of different plays at different times. Um, that I mean, obviously Sonny was outstanding tonight. He, he had some really big plays. But then we had a really two try-savers from Minnie and Dylan Napper who was playing on the edge for the first time in his career, which was a big call. Uh, to make and when he made that tackle on Sam Burgess, and then players, yeah, we had lots of guys. I mean, Tinaro Arona has played his third game for the year, so we had lots of guys. It was just about the team and about us uh, tonight. So I was really proud in all the guys. Just in terms of uh, a player that you might be a bit nervous about, what about uh, the uh, forearm from Jared Rui Hargreaves? Um, are you nervous about that, especially with carryover points? Look, I think it's yeah. There's obviously a bit of reflex there in in the way that he went about the elbow. Um, and it's not great, but it's obviously, you know, penalties should, should suffice for that, hopefully, and uh, we move on to next week. Trent Robinson, I know one thing you disagree with him about, Matt Head. I heard you and David Morrow calling that incident last night. You you would have had two of them sent off, I uh, you said. Yeah, well, I, well, the forearm to the head or the elbow from uh, where a hard graze was a, a bad look, Um yeah, it was a little bit of a reflex, but it looked like he had it out there for a long time. And um, I, I just don't understand the like uh, the Sam Burgess, the the little the little kicks. I know there's nothing in them, but there's a little bit of intent about it. And um, I, yeah, as I said, it, it's not a good look for our game to be doing stuff like that. And um, I know it's probably a little over the top that you'd send both of them off. But as I said, like there's just intent from both of them. So, um, but I don't think a penalty is going to be suffice. I, I think. Um, Jared's going to be looking at a minimum two weeks, which uh, isn't going to be good for the Roosters. No, well, uh, assuming that uh, they've got the week off, that two weeks would put him out of the grand final, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, well, they if they win this week, and um, obviously if oh, he's got two weeks, yes, right, he'll get an extra. He'd, he'd be their grand final day. If, um, but then that's a massive call to to leave someone out who's done the job for two weeks for him. So, um, but if he plays, um, I, I think they're they're good enough to win the comp without him. Um, yeah, yeah, there's some question marks on him. Wow. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see what the match review panel has to say about that particular incident. Now, I should just run through. I mentioned earlier that the NRL have released the kind of layout for next weekend's finals. And interestingly, they've got a double header at the Sydney Football Stadium on Saturday. It'll be Cronulla Sharks against a team yet to be confirmed, depending on what what happens this weekend. And then that's a four o'clock game. And then seven o'clock at the same stadium. And it'll be, you know, you you go for one game, you can stay for for both. Um, Seven o'clock game will be the Roosters versus either Manly or Melbourne Storm. So that, again, depends on on what happens in the rest of this weekend. So that's a a double header and details will be released in terms of um, pricing and that sort of thing within the next couple of days, apparently. If you're a, a club member of, of um, a season ticket holder of uh, clubs involved, there'll be some special deal on offer for you. And then Sunday, it'll be uh, the Bulldogs versus you know a team to be confirmed, depending on, of course, whether the Dogs or the Sharks finish um, fifth or sixth. We'll all have to work that out tomorrow evening. But in any case, those are definitely the times. Bulldogs playing Sunday, double header on Saturday at the Sydney Football Stadium. The Dogs are at uh, Homebush, by the way. Uh, double header Saturday, which will be the Sharks versus someone and the Roosters versus either Manly or Melbourne. And Friday night, it'll be the Rabbitohs up against either Manly or Melbourne. Now, you told me once before, Matt, that you thought perhaps this final system might work against the top four teams in that the the side that gets beaten first week of the finals uh, will have come up against the top four are so strong they would have come up against a side that's given them a real test Do you, you're still feeling that way I, I really have concern about the team that gets beat um, this week in the top four yes because I it's just such a massive gap between the top four and the bottom four of our eight um, that the bottom four is going to be a softer game uh, and there's no question about that. So it's just going to come, it's just going to come down to how many players uh, get through the game uh, from the losing team and how their week is is leading into the next game. Because yeah, our top four, it, they they should be the top four, and that's how it should be um, going into the grand final. But. Yeah, as I said, there's some real concerns about the losing team this uh, the next weekend. Okay, we'll quickly run through this afternoon the three o'clock kickoffs and George Illawarra against New Zealand Warriors at Wollongong. Who are you tipping there? Oh, well, it's one of them games that you would imagine New Zealand they need to win them to to try and get in the eight. Uh, there's not a, a, a great deal for the Dragons to play for, except for it's the old boys club. So there's a bit of a reunion happening. So maybe the best of the Dragons might come out. It's a cracking day here in Wollongong. So, um, I will tick, tip an upset and go the Dragons. Okay, if you're listening via local radio, you'll get that match everywhere except ACT, 612 in Brisbane and Coast FM. You're getting the AFL Geelong Fremantle match. And then 5.30 tonight, digital radio and internet only due to our election coverage, Melbourne Storm versus Gold Coast Titans. Titans, any hopes, um, Matt? Wouldn't, wouldn't have thought so, Debbie. Um, I think Melbourne need to, to win this weekend to give them plenty of confidence leading into next week. So I wouldn't imagine Gold Coast can win that. Melbourne, pretty easy. And North Queensland Cowboys against West Tigers in Townsville tonight. You'll only be able to get that match via the internet because the Grandstand Digital coverage will be going to the Wallabies and Springboks. So uh, Cowboys, 
should do it easily, shouldn't they? Oh, Cowboys will do it easily. They'll make the eight. They'll win the first week, and then they'll win the second week in the semis, and then maybe their their run will end the grand final qualifier. But they're the they're the dark horse of the competition now. Uh, Jonathan Thurston's an outstanding player. I wouldn't want to be playing them in the semis. All right, Matt Head, uh, we'll look forward to hearing your commentary this afternoon from that match in Wollongong between the Warriors and the Dragons. Lovely to talk to you again. Catch you soon. See you, Debbie. Thanks a lot. I've read that bum jokes are a universal. Every culture is supposed to find them funny. I'm not sure about that, but I reckon every kid does. And that's part of the reason this man's so successful. I'm thinking this is so beyond the pale. This is so ridiculous. And it'll sound great when a kid reads it out to their parents. Andy Griffiths, children's author, is on Sunday Profile. Join Richard Aidy, Sunday night on ABC Local Radio. You're on uh, Cracking the Codes with Debbie Spillane and today's question of the hour, which footballer would you like to see go into politics and why? Uh, Sam Thardé has a good sense of humour and is a straight shooter and a team man. Central Coast Sevens has sent me that answer. Stephen Russo says, bring back Jack Mundy. He used to play in the lower grades for Parramatta. Well, yes, that uh, not really uh, looking at the past. We're kind of looking ahead. Uh, Lord Aram says, Jeff Toovey, calm, measured and always toes the line. Never whinges either. <laughs> yes, very nice. And uh, Tribalve Carring Bush says, Todd Carney, he's silly enough to be a good distraction from Abbott. All right, thanks for your comments. Uh, let's talk rugby union now. There's a test match on tonight. You'll be able to listen to it through ABC Grandstand Digital. South Africa uh, in Brisbane to take on the Wallabies. And uh, one of our commentators tonight will be John Rowe. He joins us now. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Debbie. Good to speak to you again. Now, the latest news uh, on that team for tonight, uh, back rower Jake Schatz is a late withdrawal and uh, Reds teammate Liam Gill has come into the side. I'd I'd heard some people talking quite enthusiastically about Schatz, but will that make much difference? Oh, look, it's very disappointing for Jake not to get that opportunity. It was going to be his first uh, first test experience. Um, But they don't lose anything with Liam Gill coming in. He's a wonderful player. He's been in great form for the Reds. Uh, for the last couple of seasons and, and been a, a sort of regular fixture in the Wallabies side the last few seasons. So, look, it's disappointing for Jake, but uh, for the Wallabies team, the work ethic and, and um, effort at the breakdown of Liam Gill certainly will add something coming off the bench. All right. The, uh, how, how do you feel about the changes that have been made, like Quade Cooper, obviously, into the, the starting lineup? And um, uh, there's a new winger there, isn't there, uh, Cummins? Yeah, um, Nick Cummins. Nick yeah. Cummins, of course, yeah. Look, it, it, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, the Wallabies have lost two, two games in a row, and at that point, um, when they're stuck with the same thing, you've got to make some changes. Uh, Ewan sort of made it clear early on that he was looking at doing a sort of horses for courses, uh, sort of in some of his selections, and, and in particular, Quade Cooper has had some great success against um, the Springboks in the last couple of seasons. Um, I think you know the real key is, is how easy goes at fullback. Um, does he get what every Wallaby supporter uh, wants to see, which is some time with the ball in his hand and a bit more space? Because we know he can just do some wonderful things. Um, but in the uh, in the quarter of a test match, what's it like with his field position, particularly with a team uh, of the Springboks caliber with a kicker of Monet Staines caliber, sort of peppering him into the corner and putting pressure on the roof? Good kick chase. So, look, there's some changes there. Obviously, losing James Hallwell is another one that's sort of a, a force change in the side. Um, but I think, you know, it's very rare for, for the Wallabies to, to go on and lose three in a row. Certainly the Suncorp Stadium is a wonderful fortress for them over the last 
uh, few years that they're up there at Lang Park. So um, we look forward to seeing some good good results from them tonight, I think. Will Genier as captain, you think that's a good choice? I think, you know, he's been sort of the, the uh, sort of two I see uh, fellow that steps up every time someone's been injured over the last few seasons. Um, it's interesting, you know, this is the exact game last year, the, the Springboks in Australia, uh, where he was captain, taking over from James Wall, where he uh, had the uh, ACL injury to his knee last year and put him out for for most of the rest of the season. So, you know, this is a sort of you know real uh, sort of cornerstone game for him in his comeback. Uh, he certainly, you know, he's the real general on the field. He's a, very much the director. He's got a wonderful respect uh, of all the players of, of both teams, uh, and the fans love to see him run with the ball. So, you know, I think he certainly doesn't. He certainly, if anything, plays better when he's got the C next to his name due to the extra leadership role he takes on. So I think it should be a good game from him tonight. Well, you've obviously seen a lot of the Reds and the way the new Wallabies coach likes to prepare a team. How close are they to, to playing the kind of football that uh, that you and Mackenzie wants from them, do you think? Well, I, look, uh, it's going to be difficult for them this season in that, look, he's just come in. They had, you know, sort of two weeks before the first All Blacks test to get... get a new system in place coming off the, the previous Robbie Dean's model. It took a you know a fair while for, for uh, Ewan to get the group together at the Reds and to get on the same page and get a way of playing and filtering out and, and working out new players into the team. And that's going to take time. So, you know, not looking ahead too far, but you, you wonder that next season with a full um, full amount of time in preparation, the Wallabies will be better for, for Ewan. But we don't have that time. It's a very cutthroat business, professional rugby. Certainly the spectators want to see the Wallabies play much better than, than they have over the last couple of games against the All Blacks uh, and at the last couple of games against the Lions as well. So there's a lot of expectation. Um, and I think, you know, the Wallabies, he, he's a, very much a... a uh, a very good player manager and getting the best out of these guys and hopefully the players respond to that. What sort of different challenges do the Springboks present? I gather they're a bit more physical than the All Blacks. Does does that require a change in approach at all from the Wallabies? Well, it, it's difficult, isn't it, when you think of it that way? How much do you change your game to face your opposition or how much do you keep doing what you do? Uh, I think certainly they play a very different style to the All Blacks. The All Blacks... Um, have a very much a counter-attacking um, process or, and they're very good with ball in hand. The, the Springboks, certainly recently with Mornay Stain being the uh, fly-half guiding around the park, who's an outstanding uh, goal kicker, kicking over 90% generally. Um, look, they're happy to take pressure, add pressure, get you pin you in your half, get a penalty, kick the points and just start grinding away at the scoreboard. Now, we saw that last week um, or two weeks ago when they played Argentina. In Argentina, a very difficult road trip. Uh, and they got away with probably a, a poor performance, but got away with a win just with that pressure. They have a monster forward pack that, that, that looks to grind away their opposition. So the Wallabies forwards really have to stand up, but I think it's the Wallabies backs. If they can get remotely sort of parity on ball, that's where the point of difference will be. I think I think teams, I think the Wallabies really need to get that um, mindset of this is how we play, this is our style, and you might have a few different sort of strings to your bow, a few different sort of plan A, plan B, but... That's going to think the thing that I think the Wallaby spectators want to see more of. You know, traditionally we've been a running rugby sort of country. Um, everyone loves seeing the ball fly around, and hopefully, with the team that they've got and some wonderful gifted players there, that they can start doing that and bring the fans back to the game. Well, we've already mentioned Israel Folau, who's getting his first crack at fullback for the Wallabies tonight, and Quade Cooper, who's come into the starting lineup after you know probably 12 months of drama or so. Uh, anyone else in particular who's under, well, not so much under pressure, but under the microscope tonight, someone we really need to stand up and, and do the job? Um, 
Well, I think it's interesting. I think James O'Connor is the one fellow that um, really needs to stand up. The, the, the spotlight's come off him now, which is great. His uh, first performance against the All Blacks wasn't the greatest game in Sydney, but his performance in Wellington, I thought, was much better. He really got involved in the game and got a few touches. And it's going to be very important for him tonight to get around uh, Israel Folau and help him out back uh, back as a group. Nick Cummins in the side. Um, he's a very dynamic runner, but he'll need some help too in, in his field positioning. Um, so in terms of the back, I think James O'Connor needs to stand up. But I think realistically, for tonight, if the Wallabies are to be successful, the front row is the one that really needs to bring the level of their game up. Um, with, with this new scrum law, it's, a, it's very difficult um, to really get an assessment of how each scrum's going because the, the packing system's so different now. Um, but certainly the the Blacks got on right on top of them late in the game, which then went and put some pressure on their line out, and so the set piece fell apart. Um, and I think it's the Wallaby front row that really needs to really muscle up uh, against the police um, brothers in the, at Hooker and, and Tiehead for the, for the Springboks. And if they can do that and get at least parity, then the Wallaby backs, I think, as I said before, can kick away from them. Okay, well, I, w- I won't ask you uh, who you think will win because I know you won't want to tip against the Wallabies, but rate their chances on a scale of 1 to 10. How confident are you the Wallabies will win tonight, John Rowe? I'm actually quite confident. You know, I think um, we <sighs> the Wallabies need to get away off, off the blocks really quickly and get some pressure on the on the uh, spring box by getting some points on the board early. If they play a tit-for-tat sort of game, penalty here, penalty there, the spring box will keep their nose in that they're coming off an excellent uh, winning streak of nine games in a row so far, and certainly their last five games away, they've won. So they're, they're pretty confident themselves. And I think if they're to be any chance, the Wallabies need to kick off, get a good first 20 minutes in, get some points on the board early, and make the Springboks change how they're going to play, not just rely on having to kick goals, but having to actually get the ball over the line. If they do that, and I think they can, I think the Wallabies um, certainly playing at Lane Park, where they've such a good record recently. Um, look, I think they'll get home, and if you, if you want to ping me off, they can out of 10, but realistically, it's probably 7 out of 10 that the Wallabies will get home, I think, tonight. Okay, John Rowe, look forward to hearing your commentary tonight. Tim Gable will be uh, with you and Luke Pentony on the sideline. And if you want to listen to that match, don't forget local radio. We're committed to covering the election tonight, but you'll be able to listen via ABC Grandstand Digital or you can go to the ABC Grandstand website and listen to live streaming of that match tonight. It's 8 o'clock, Australia versus South Africa from Lang Park. Thanks, John. Thanks, Debbie. This is Cracking the Code. Whatever it takes, you gotta move on. Whatever it takes. This is Cracking the Codes with Debbie Spillane on ABC Local Radio, online and on Grandstand Digital. We'll be speaking to Kelly Unwood in a moment about the AFL. Just quickly running through some of your answers, Reeve. Footballers who should go into politics or who you think would be good to go into politics. John from Gyra says, Phil Gould, because even though he talks garbage, it doesn't stop him from opening his mouth. Nice one, John. That'll get back. Michael Ennis for Parliament and PM. The man never shuts up, says Luke from Southport. Um, uh, James Hurd would be a great politician, says someone who hasn't put their name to their SMS. He says he's a great politician, able to evade everything and still thinks he's squeaky clean. And uh, John from Bundaberg says, hey, Deb, no footballer would ever enter politics. They all have too many brains and are too articulate. You've got a high opinion of your uh, our politicians, haven't you, John? Thanks for those. 
those. Keep them coming in. 0467 922 That's for texting. You can leave a message on the ABC Grandstand Facebook page or you can tweet us at ABC Grandstand. Now, the week of the finals in the AFL, the first week of the finals in the AFL, has started last night. It was a big win to Hawthorne against Sydney. 15 goals, 15, 105 to 7 goals, 9.51. Kelly Underwood will be at the uh, second qualifying final this afternoon. In fact, I think she's already in Geelong for that Geelong versus Fremantle match, and she joins us on the line now. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Debbie. Great to talk to you. I left uh, Melbourne not that long ago in beautiful sunshine and just driven into rainy Geelong, would you believe? Oh, wow. Fremantle will be even more enthusiastic about the the venue now, I can imagine. Now, um, firstly, let's uh, just a quick review of last night's match. Now, I I was sort of driving and and flicking backwards and forwards and at halftime in the NRL, I, I flicked over and it was like dead even between Hawks and Sydney Swans. And then by the time I got home and put the telly on, it was done and dusted. Hawks had just come all over the top of them. It was that classic uh, game of a, a game of football played in two halves because um, you're right, scores were dead even at half time, and then it was a different story in the second half. So uh, the Swans have just arrived back in Sydney this morning after what, what you would say was a really disappointing start to their finals campaign. Uh, they've got an eight-day break now to regroup before hosting uh, a semi-final next Saturday night at Olympic Park. But they, they look tired, they look sore last night, so they will need uh, every single minute and second of that eight-day break to get themselves right again. It was a it was a brutal opening half. There was absolutely nothing in it uh, right up until half time. Typical finals-like intensity, as you would imagine, uh, and a lot of hard running from the midfielders. And then after halftime, it was 11 goals to three. The Hawks made a big statement in the first final for season 2013. And now, clearly, they are the team to beat this September. They've got a week off, so they don't play next weekend before hosting a preliminary final at the MCG. So just one win away from their second successive uh, grand final appearance. Where did the Swans fall short in the second half last night, Kelly? Is it just a lack of depth due to injuries or, you know, I don't know. How can you explain it? They are carrying some injured players and they certainly brought in Lewis Jetta who hadn't played since the mid-season and he looked well underdone. Gary Ryan's only got a couple of games uh, into him after coming back from that horrific broken leg. But um, John Longwise made a gamble playing his four tools in, in the likes of Mumford and Pike and Jesse White. Obviously, Adam Goods is missing at the moment. but um, And it's been okay in the last couple of weeks, but last night in that first uh, final, just the intensity of it, the, the, the tools didn't have an impact. Their forward line, Tippett started off well, and then he was well held by Brian Lake after that. And it was just the, the hard-running experience experienced players of Hawthorne. It was mainly set up by their captain, Luke Hodge, playing a sort of quarterback role. They they just call it in the AFL, similar to the NFL. Uh, just the, his leadership down back just dominated the, the Swans' forward line. And as a result, he was able to set up um, multiple attacks for the Hawks. Now, the Swans will play, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a home game next mm. weekend. It'll be the winner of Carlton and Richmond. Is that right? That's correct. So they, they play the winner of tomorrow's elimination final between the Tigers. Uh, they finish fifth and the Blues that finish eighth. So Richmond, there's a lot of interest in this one. It'll be more than 90,000 at the MCG. Two old-fashioned rivals, uh, Victorian rivals. Richmond, this is their first final in 12 years. So this, this is a bit like uh, the rugby league, uh, sorry, the AFL equivalent of what we had last night with the Roosters and uh, South Sydney. 
Absolutely. And so much interest in it. You don't have to follow these two teams to have a real interest in how this one will pan out. Tigers fans will be heading to the MCG half excited, half terrified because the, the fallout <laughs> could be uh, enormous if the Tigers don't win this. Uh, they're a much better team than Carlton, but the Blues, of course, uh, they, were, they were handed the uh, wild card from the AFL as a result of taking the spot of Essendon um, once they were knocked out of the, the final series. So the Blues almost fall into finals. They've had a scratchy up-and-down roller coaster season, um, but they've got nothing to lose and they've got a lot of finals experience, whereas the 22 players that run out for Richmond, only four of them have played in a final. So it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. The Tigers are the better side. They should win, which means we'd see uh, Sydney and Richmond play next Saturday night uh, at, in Sydney. Well, I know you're not a Sydney sider, so you can probably answer this quite impartially. How worried would you be if you're John Longmire today? Well, I think last year they were building when they came into the final series. So they were a team that just kept improving and their best players were in peak form and they weren't carrying any injuries. This year it's a completely different story. As I mentioned earlier, they look they look tired, they look sore, and, and a lot of players were had off nights. Now, if you're a Swans fan, you'd be hoping it was just a one-off. Jude Bolton was really quiet, um, and usually he's such a, a player that stands up in in the finals type um, intensity. And uh, yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Like I said, they need every single day to, to sort of recover because uh, they are carrying a few injuries. Dan Hanabry, obviously a knee injury missed last week, came back in. Lewis Jetter is underdone. Whether you go again and play him again, and of course Adam Goods, do you rush him back in if he can get through a session this week? It's sort of uh, almost like John Longmire's got a, an all or nothing approach. He just has to gamble with these players that clearly aren't one hundred percent fit. All right, let's turn our attention to the match you're working on this afternoon just quickly. Uh, Geelong, Fremantle, you, you mentioned that it's raining in Geelong. Does that suit either side more particularly? Oh, it's bad news for the Dockers fans because the Cats are the best wet weather team going around. So uh, the, the players, the Geelong players, will be warming up in the change rooms uh, just behind me. They'll be looking out the window, rubbing their hands together. And I can confirm the Dockers have arrived. They've got off the bus, but many would say they're kicking and screaming as they got off the bus because... This is it's an historic day in Geelong. It's the first uh, the first time uh, in the AFL that uh, this stadium, Cardinia Park, has hosted a final, and so there's a real buzz around the city, around the town as you drive in. You could see uh, you know Geelong flags hanging out of cars, and already uh, I know there's a lot of sausage sizzles uh, going on around the country because it is election day, but there's plenty happening here as well. So a real carnival atmosphere outside the grounds, and uh, this is a beloved team in Geelong. So and you expect uh, them to win. Yeah, they should. They should win, although Fremantle are a very tough team. The Dockers, if the stats tell us anything, have played here 13 times in their history for one win, which was eight years ago. So uh, the Cats, on the other hand, have won 43 of their last 40 games here. It is a fortress, and it's tough to get a victory, and I think the Cats will win. All right, well, you'll be able to listen to that match uh, through local radio if you're listening now through 612 in Brisbane, triple six in Canberra or Gold Coast FM. You'll be getting that Geelong versus Fremantle qualifying final from Cardinia Park and Kelly Underwood will be on the boundary. Just quickly, Kelly, in a word, Collingwood or Port Adelaide tonight? Collingwood. Okay, that'll make you unpopular. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't underestimate Port Adelaide. Nothing to lose to the They've been the team of the season. No one picked them to finish in the, the top eight. All right. Kelly, enjoy your afternoon. Sorry it's raining for your finals football, but I'm sure it'll be a great match anyway. Thanks for talking to us on Cracking the Cards. Thanks, Deb.
When the bowls of dip have been emptied, the Chardonnay has been downed, the pool has mysterious foreign objects floating in it, the dog has accidentally been dyed red, blue and sex party pink, and you're cradling your head in your hands wondering why you ever wanted to host an election party. Join us for the after party. Australia voted with Julia Baird, Dan Illick and me, Dom Knight. Here on ABC Local Radio tonight, after the leaders wrap up. We're talking today on Cracking the Codes because it is election day, asking for your thoughts on which footballers do you think would make good politicians. Uh, On SMS, I've got a correspondent who says, totally agree with Sam Thaday as having the makings of a good poly. Petro Sivanasiva was also a great speaker from what I heard. think these two have great leadership and people skills. And uh, a couple that have made me laugh on Twitter, Um, Ennis, Michael Ennis, that is, says Tara, because he's a liar, he argues all the time, and he plays dirty and he also has the perfect head for cartoonists. And uh, Juan Juvendra says, Kevin Muscat, just try not voting for him. I dare you. <laughs> Which leads us nicely to the round ball game now and uh, to have a quick look ahead at tomorrow morning's match between Australia and Brazil. The Socceroos taking on the powerful Brazil. It's... Uh, Andy Harper from Fox Sports, and Fox Sports will be covering this match tomorrow morning from 5am. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hi, Debbie. How are you? Good. Now, how, how excited do you feel? I know it's only a friendly, but as I said, uh, a friendly against Brazil is is uh, you know is, is something to, to be excited about, I think. Well, it's a momentous day for the game, Debbie. I mean, it's uh, the first time Australia's played Brazil in Brazil. Indeed, given the fact that this is a non-competitive match, to have been invited by Brazil, no less, to go and play a match in, in their country is a huge honour for Australia. It's just history being made, and uh, that word gets thrown around a lot by people in our line of work, but this is truly a massive night and a massive, uh, a massive historic night for Australian football. Um, how, do we know how it came about? I mean, is this something that we lobbied to get a, a chance to play against Brazil, or did Brazil kind of suddenly say, hey, Australia, how about a match? A very, very, very good question. I, I don't have a direct answer to that, but some of the considerations would have been who's available and who's qualified for the World Cup. Um, and when the schedules were being done, you know, Australia and Japan uh, were two of the only teams so far, along with Brazil, to have qualified for the finals next year, and the fact that Japan had just participated in the Confederations Cup meant that uh, probably uh, Australia gave Brazil a look at another type of team um, and new to the marketplace there. Uh, there might have been the sponsor contacts. Both, um, both national federations are sponsored by Nike, so all those sorts of commercial contacts come into play as well. But I suspect, uh, um, uh, and there might have been some sort of diplomacy as well, you know, government diplomacy, but I, I suspect the fact that um, Brazil looking for opponents. They want World Cup opponents, and the fact that uh, the big guns of Europe are still fighting it out in official qualifiers. Um, it was only the Korea Republic, Australia, and Japan uh, who are ready to go for the finals next year. So that was probably the the major factor. Yeah, of course, uh, Brazil is the hosts are obviously playing, even though we would expect them to qualify. But I guess they they don't have to qualify, do they? Um, so look, tell me, what do you think Holger Osek's approach to this match will be tomorrow morning? Oh. We don't know. He doesn't change his approach much. I think the mindset will be positive. Um, uh, I think you know people expecting him to change the way he does things will be uh, sorely disappointed. But um, you know, I think the way Australia has has played against Japan in the qualifiers is instructive, which has been very much a high tempo defensive approach. Um, 
whether or not he can he can muster the energy out of the players when it, it is a friendly and qualifications not on the line is going to be an interesting one. And Bristol, of course, are in another register again. This is the team that's in red hot form at the moment. And whilst you know Spain have been the leading lights over the last couple of years, I think um, Brazil's result in the final of the Confed Cup when they beat Spain three nil with the attention of their country on the national team, as it will be tonight, National Day in Brazil, um, for this game. I, I, you know, I can't see them letting up. This is going to be the most difficult game Australia's had for quite some time, probably since, in all honesty, the opening match of the World Cup finals in 2010 when they got um, pantsed 4-0 by Germany. So it, it, anything could happen tonight, Debbie, really. Anything could happen, and uh, it's going to be a very instructive experience. Uh, the word is that Tom Rogic and Mitchell Duke are likely to get on the field. Uh, mm. you, you you happy with that as uh, getting some yeah. young players in there? Well, certainly for Tommy Rogic. Um, you know, he if, if if he's not going to be ready for the next World Cup, um, which is June, July next year, he's certainly the player injury-free, uh, one of the key players um, from this point on. Um, and so we need to start getting him ready and see how he's going, the move to Celtic from the Central Coast Mariners for him has been a massive one as far as careers are concerned. Uh, he hasn't you know, quite cracked it for a first 11 place there and and the sooner Tommy Rogic can do that and if a performance, a good performance in Brazil can help assuage that passage, um, that's going to be better obviously for him but certainly for our national team because he's got so much talent. Um, you know, there's Luke, Lukey Wilshire has pulled out with a knee injury. Lucas Neal, as skipper, is well short of a gallop. Um, Tim it's Kyle's be a not playing here. Yeah, it's going to be um, a real opportunity for Holgerosic to see actually who can walk the walk uh, against the world's best. It's it's uh, going to be a keen test. All right, Andy, we've got the one o'clock news coming up. Andy Harper from Fox Sports. Thanks very much for previewing that big match tomorrow morning, Australia versus Brazil. Five o'clock in the morning, you'll be able to watch that live on Fox Sports, and there will be some replays on during the day as well. Appreciate your time, Andy. Always a pleasure, Debbie. See ya. Thanks. That's it for Cracking the Codes.